when I opened up the service, I said grab onto a promise. So right now, as we're turning our eyes upon Jesus, just see it coming true. See it coming to pass, whatever it is, lost family members, broken households, a broken heart. Come on, as we turn our eyes upon the Father, the creator of all things, use your faith and see it coming to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing that again. Turn your eyes. give him some thanks just like thank him that those things that you're having faith for are already done because they are in the spirit realm they're already done they just need to be done in the physical realm so come on give Jesus some thanks for that we thank you Jesus for doing what you said you would do father for healing those broken homes healing break broken hearts Jesus breaking off chains addictions whatever it is Jesus we thank you for that father I thank you for my redemption. I thank you for my peace. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I don't know if you can feel it, but his presence is here. Woo, it's here. Well, we're going to keep this presence here, you guys, ushered into your hearts. Keep it here throughout the whole service. He'll stay as long as you want him to. And that's a promise. So we thank you for this awesome, awesome worship. Thank you for meeting us here, Jesus. We bless the rest of the service. Amen. Why don't you guys greet someone next to you? Make sure you smile real nice and big. Well, glory to God. It's great to see you all. Thanks for coming. Praise God. We want to receive a want to receive the offering at this time. So the ushers could please help me. Uh, if you're giving a cash, would like a receipt. You need an offering envelope. One of these ushers would gladly give you one. If you can make it out a check, you can just make it to Destiny Church, and um, we'll make sure. There's a hand over here, Gary, right over here. Any other hands? Praise God. Thank God for the privilege of giving, eh? Sounds like Canada, right? Eh? What's this A business, eh? Minis.
we used to fish in Canada, and we'd talk, communicate with the locals, and they would always go, A. What is that? But anyways, um, thank you also for your faithfulness in giving. Everyone ready? So let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give. Thank you, Lord, that you love a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the great promises of your word that we who give, uh, we give uh, liberally that we'll reap liberally. Give generously, we'll reap generously. We thank you for that promise, Lord. We just give with a heart of gratitude because you love a cheerful giver. So we give that way in Jesus' name now. Receive our offering. Amen. Man, go ahead, men, pass the offering buckets. You know, actually, the word where it says God loves a cheerful giver, it's actually God loves a hilarious giver. So we should, during offering time, we should all be going, ah, ha, 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 ha. But most people are like, they tense up, you know, during offering time. Here's, here's where they, I knew this was coming. I knew this is what it's all about, trying to get my money. Um, I just want to let you know about a couple of things that are coming up. Why they pass. First of all, as most of you know, we had a funeral yesterday. Um, the Joe family had a, a son that went home. And um, so really, first of all, I want to just thank everybody that helped out. Um, just, I appreciate so much the ushers, the, and Linda back there, she's sneaking out, but she did so much to arrange it. I think we ought to give them a good hand. Thank you so much for helping out. Please, uh, please keep them in your prayers. It's a very challenging time for them. And um, we um, just believe that yesterday was a beginning of the healing process. We're, tr- we're trusting that the God of comfort would, will comfort them. You know, that's, one of, that's the Holy Spirit's name is the comforter. So we're just believing for that. The other thing is that next Sunday, well, actually next, when, or next Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, Dave Wagner will be with us. And so the first service is 9.30. It's a ladies' meeting. They call it Ladies Connect. Um, so he'll be ministering. And then Saturday night, it's for everybody. And then Sunday morning, he'll be here also, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Dave, Dave ministers prophetically. Um, he's what we'd call a New Testament prophet. And uh, so he does minister to people, gives them prophetic words, uh, don't be afraid. Don't, don't like, oh, I'm not coming. He'll, he'll, he'll list all my sins. Um, that's not really the function. That's not our function. That's not the function of a New Testament prophet. Um, you know, the Bible talks about prophecy. It says, speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so it's mostly speaking encouragement. You know, when I was a kid, my dad told me this. He was a CEO of a pretty large company. And he told me, he goes, I don't pay, this is what he said to me, I don't pay people to tell me what's wrong. I pay people for solutions, to, to find solutions. And, um, you, know, you know, it's like, it's, people's lives are like a cave, a gold mine. You, you're a gold mine. Tell your neighbor, you are a gold mine. But the problem with a gold mine is there's a lot of dirt in a gold mine, right? But a, a, but a miner, a miner does not go into the gold mine looking for dirt. He goes in there looking for the gold. 
And God's not looking for the dirt, he's looking for the gold. So what often, what usually happens is that what the gold that's in there, you know, God will give prophetic words to draw that gold out. And only under extreme cases is there ever a, a rebuke in it. And, and so I just want to encourage you. So, so starting next weekend, we're going to have these meetings. And, you know, the thing is, is that there's a lot of misunderstanding. I'm taking a lot, a lot of time with this. is not my sermon, by the way. I'm taking a lot of time with this because we don't say much about it. But, um, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that God gave Jesus, when he arose from the dead, he gave gifts to men. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's what he gave. And then it says, what reason was it that he gave? It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So in other words, he, the job of these ministers, the, my job, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Dave's job, I can't do, I'm not a prophet. I, I can't do what a prophet does. Prophets primarily preach and teach. And then they, they, God uses them prophetically. But I can't do that because, I mean, because that, I mean, I can preach and teach and I can prophesy, but I mean, I can't do it in the same spirit or carry the same uh, flavor that a prophet would. And so we need all the ministries to equip the saints. See, what, what the church, church has done is the church has separated the laity from the ministry. And so the laity, your job is just to be nice to somebody and warm a seat. And my job is to do the ministry. That's, that's how they, they, they kind of put it forth. But the truth is, my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Well, then what are you going to do? I'm just going to keep equipping. Right? And so my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, there's this, there's this ministry the minister, he's this high and holy person, and we are the lowly laity here. That's not the way God set it up. God set it up so that we would equip the saints, the laity, to do the work of the ministry. So do you get that? Does that make sense? So that's what we're doing, uh, bringing Dave. And Dave's got a great spirit. He's, he's uh, traveled like 68 different countries all over the world and uh, preaches the you know, thousands of people, but he's going to come to Ashby. So what a great opportunity that we have. So that starts next Saturday morning at 9.30. I think they have some refreshments. That's with the ladies. And then Saturday night, 6.30. I think there's child care in those services, um, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Ryan, is that right? Yeah, there's child care. So um, if you have a question, about, I think he's going to be in... Morris Assembly of God on, on Sunday night. So, anyways, he'll be around a little bit. Amen. How many are glad you're live today? Yeah. Okay, good. I want you to open your Bibles, take them out, and open them with me to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I, I have a message here. I'm hoping this goes good. Of course, I always hope it goes good, you know. But I titled this message, What is Dumber Than a Rock? Now, you ever heard of the expression, he's as dumb as a box of rocks? How many ever heard that expression? How many have ever said that expression? And I, so, so actually, biblically, biblically now, 
I can answer that question for you biblically. There is something that's dumber than a rock. I can, you, challenge me. I can do it. So what is dumber than a rock? Religion. You say, how do you know that? Well, let me show you. I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians. Turn to Luke chapter 19. So in two weeks, what, what's going to happen is we're going to have Palm Sunday. How many of you ever heard of Palm Sunday? So that's when uh, Jesus was his entering Jerusalem. It was his last time coming there. In just a few days, he would be crucified. He would raise again from the dead. But he was entering into Jerusalem. And this was a, a um, fulfillment of a prophetic word that was given in the Old Testament hundreds of years earlier where, where the, the king would come to Israel. He would come humbly riding on a, on a donkey and, uh, and, and he would come to save. And so what happened was, uh, you know, he had, Jesus had done his ministry for three and a half years and he had quite a following. And he just raised Lazarus from the dead. And that was only a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. And everybody knew about it. And so when he entered Jerusalem, people went bananas. They're ripping their clothes off, not down to their bareness, but their outer garments off. They're throwing palm branches out. They're screaming, throwing dirt in the air. They're absolutely having a Holy Ghost meeting. Right? That's why I never like to tell, if people get a, little, you know, get a little excited about Jesus in church services, I don't like to go over there and say, settle down, settle down. Because I always think you can find yourself in a story in the Bible, and I don't want to be one of the Pharisees. I just want to, you know, even if the person, you know, because there's some things that people do in worship services that I don't really, I'm not really that excited about. And I don't want to say anything because I don't want to put anybody in bondage. Uh, you know, a few times I've been in worship services where they blow the shofar. And sometimes I've been in services where they blow the shofar, and it's been so anointed. It's just like, wow, man, this is, we, are, we are taking over. How many know what I mean? It's just like, I'm just like, let's go. You know, I'm just like, this is it, man. We are... We are going somewhere, and I'm just, I'm feeling my oats. And then there's other times I've been in services where they blow the shofar. Oh, 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 sounds like somebody on the ground squeezing a pig or something. You know, like, you're just going to stop blowing that thing, would you please? I mean, know what I mean. And so there's a lot of other things that people do, and I, I find it difficult to be in the seat of the person that says, settle down, don't be excited about Jesus. I don't want to be that person. And, and, and so what happened on, 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 we call it Palm Sunday, when Jesus enters, so the people are going bananas, and it says that it's, it's not some little thing, because it says all Jerusalem is, is be, you know, they're being moved by this event. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. And so they come, and so then all of a sudden, the fair, and, they're, and they're saying Hosanna, which means God save. And, uh, and so what happens is the Pharisees in the crowd spoke to Jesus. Teacher. So they stopped him on his donkey as he's coming in there. All these people are going bananas. Teacher, command your disciples to be quiet. So you don't want to be that person. Jesus answered, I tell you that if they keep quiet, the rocks themselves will start shouting. Yeah. 
So what he's saying is rocks have more sense than you. So what's dumber than a rock? You. <laughs> How many of you see what I'm saying? He says, if you quiet, if they quiet down, the rocks are going to start yelling. And so the rocks have more sense than you have. And so that's the idea that, that's where I got that from anyway. So you're wondering. But, you know, this was a tremendous event, Palm Sunday, because it wasn't just, you know, Jesus had a three and a half year ministry. I mean, that's the surfacey understanding of it. Now he was entering Jerusalem. But what had happened was, since the very beginning of time, after the fall of man, there was a prophetic word that Messiah would come. Somebody would come. And all through the Old Testament, there would be these prophetic words. He's coming. He's coming. And, and then there would be all these examples of you know, things that would happen that would be a picture pointing to his coming. And so it's like God was getting everybody focused on this one event that he is coming, he's coming, he's coming. And now he's entering into Jerusalem for the final event where he'll be crucified, where he'll raise again from the dead, where he'll bring redemption to all hum humankind, the whole human race. This is an incredible event. And they're going, settle down. How can you say settle down? This is been waited for thousands of years for this event to happen. This is no little deal. This is a big deal. And he said, and they said, settle down. And, you know, that shows you something about religion. And, and when I talk about religion, I'm not talking about, because some people think Christianity is a religion. Actually, Christianity is a relationship. And there's a difference between those two things, because religion is man's search for God. It's what I do to make myself acceptable to God. It's what I do to become right before God, to, to find pleasure or favor with God. Where Christianity is, God did it for us and now offers it to us as a gift. And there's a big difference between those two. Now I do, what I do now is not to get something. What I do now is because I got something. I got something before I did something. I got, I got the gift before I, because otherwise it's not a gift. It becomes something that I earn through my behavior, be, earn through my works. And the Bible clearly says this, that by grace that we're saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Everybody say gift. Yeah. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift from God. And the better you are at receiving, the better you'll be at achieving. The better you are at receiving, the better you are, you'll be at achieving. That's why Paul, he, he said, I, you see all these apostles and how they worked? He goes, I worked harder than all of them. He goes, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He goes, I just cooperated with the grace of God that God put upon my life. I just cooperated with it. And as I cooperate with it, I was able to do more than they all, them all. And so, um, but you see in this story here, the blindness of religion on full display. And so I want to contrast today the, the difference between religion and having a relationship with God. Because we, some, you know, I don't know, I, I don't want to be too harsh, but, you know, I have a lot of things to say because I have a lot of, uh, history around religion because I was raised in the church. 
And, uh, and it was a good church. But I somehow got the idea that the only way I could be a Christian is if I was, well, almost perfect. I mean, I might could have a little few faults, but, but not the big ones that I had. I mean, I had some big ones. And those big ones definitely disqualified me for being a Christian. And, and so I was in this situation. You know, it's, it's interesting. My grandmother tells the story about she was raised in a mainline church. And she was raised, she did everything from birth until she was, you know, in her uh, 30s or 40s. She did everything they told her to do. I mean, she was a perfect, I don't want to pick on any religion, but she was a perfect this religion, mainline Christian religion. She was perfect. Well, I mean, not perfect. No one's perfect. But I mean, but she, but she followed it tenaciously. And, and so this particular mainline religion had a, what we called a charismatic renewal that came. She, my, my grandmother grew up in Fergus Falls. So they came to Fergus Falls and they started praying for the people to get spirit filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so she, she of course, when she was invited, and so she went and she got prayed for, and nothing happened. She got prayed for again, nothing happened. She went night after night, prayed for, nothing happened. Finally, she's getting frustrated because all of her friends are getting spirit filled and she's not. And so finally, the guy, she talks to the guy that's leading it. She's going, I don't understand why I'm not getting spirit filled. And the guy looked at her and, and then started talking to her a little bit and asked her some simple questions because you can locate people by their, the answers to some simple questions. Like if you ask somebody, do you know for sure that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven? And if, the answer, if they say, I hope so, eh, wrong answer. Because there's, a, there's an assurance that comes with faith. There's an assurance that comes with salvation. When a person receives salvation, there's an assurance that comes with it. There's a, a, there's a witness that they have in their heart. How many know what I mean? And so when this guy asked her some questions, he figured out she wasn't even saved. And that's a tragedy. And so he said, he just talked to her a little bit about salvation. He just talked to her, you know, you, you've gone to church, you've done religious things. You've done everything they've told you. Well, one thing you haven't done, you haven't trusted Christ with your eternal soul. And all you got to do is pray with me to trust Christ and turn and just give Christ your life today here. And so she did. She prayed that sinner prayer where she trusted Christ for her eternal well-being, for her eternal soul, with her eternal soul. And then he prayed for her. She got instantly spirit-filled. So my grandmother probably didn't handle this right, but she went back to her pastor and she said, I'd have gone to hell! <laughs> and you're the reason! <laughs> she was upset. Because what they, what, they, what they merchandise in is religious stuff. And Christianity is not all about religious stuff. It's not about trinkets and, and you know, we went to Israel and uh, you know, I really wanted to go to Israel because, you know, I read I've read the Bible for decades and and I wanted to be there and picture. I wanted to picture it. Well, it was hard to picture because they put monasteries everywhere that. But I watched people and, and I'm not I'm, I got to be careful what I say here because I am trying to make a point. I'm not just trying to pick on people, but I am trying to make a point. But but they would. I remember one time we were at this one place. 
I think it was the traditional birthplace of Christ. I think that's what it was. It kind of all blurs together, but... But there are people that were, we were trying to see the place, but there were so many people laying on the ground, rolling around, that I couldn't really tell if, it, you know, picture it, because they thought there was some residue of glory still left there on that spot. And so they were rubbing around trying to get a little bit of it. And I'm going, I, he's in heaven. He, the Holy Spirit is here now. We, we communicate with him through the Holy Spirit right now. We don't. You, know, you see what I'm saying? But religion kind of attaches itself to things that have to do with spirituality or things that have to do with God, natural things that have to do with God. And they kind of attach themselves to it and they kind of hope it rubs off. Like my, I, it was kind of funny when I became a minister, all my relatives at Christmas time would always give me religious stuff. Like one time they gave me a big picture of Jesus. And I'm going, I mean, I don't mind, but I'm just saying, is that really what he looks like? I mean, if that's what he looked like, I'll put that up in my house, but I'm not sure if that's what he looks like. But somehow or another, they think that because, you know, I, I, you know, like that song goes, I don't care if it rains or freezes. Do you know you guys know the rest of it? You shouldn't know that song. <laughs> that's a sinful song. Now I know what kind of music you all listen to. That was a test. And you got caught, buddy. You failed the test. You should say, I don't know what that. I only know amazing grace. That's all I know. But it goes, I don't care if it rains or freezes. As long as I got my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my shiny new car. And I don't care. I mean, I don't care if you have one. But I'm just saying that if you, if you think it, that means something that the car is safe now. The car's not safe. You still got to drive right. Right? And sometimes what happens is people attach to, to natural things. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about here. Are you guys all upset now? See, here's the thing. Now listen to this next statement. This is going to blow your mind. Are you guys ready? Brace yourself. See, God didn't call you to be good. Are you upset now? Well, let me try some more. God didn't call you to be good. He called you to be spiritual. Now, when I say spiritual, I don't mean Casper the Friendly Ghost spiritual where we're, you know, floating around the room, you know, seeing white things. But I'm talking about to people that respond to the Spirit of God. Because the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are what? Led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto babes in Christ. He said, I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So no, what he's, he's lamenting the fact that these Christians had never grown spiritually so that he could talk to them about spiritual things. God wants us to grow up so that we will, so that we we can understand spiritual things that we respond to the Spirit of God. How many know what I mean? Not spooky, but see, being good is not good enough. Because you can be good. Let me say this to you. Christianity is not behavior modification. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. It's from the inside out, not the outside in. It's like 
you know, this is probably a bad example, but it's like a pig, you know. Um, you put lipstick, you know, you, you could take a pig out of the mud pile, uh, whatever, you know, the, what, what do they call that? Pig, yeah, pig pen. And you could, you could wash it up. You could put lipstick on it. Put a bow on it. And put it down by the, by the pig pen. The pig isn't going to go, well, I don't want to get anything on me. I mean, I'm all, and put perfume on it, too. The pig isn't going to go, well, I don't want to get any mud on me. And some other pig splashes. Don't, watch out, don't splash on me. Don't, I don't want to get. What will the pig do? Bow, lipstick, perfume, and all. He'll dive right back into the pig pen. Why? He's a pig. You cleaned him up on the outside, but he, he's still a pig. And until you change a person's nature, a spiritual nature, they're going to be what their, what their nature is. Does that make sense? And see, what Jesus came to do was not to clean us up on the outside. Jesus came to change our spiritual nature. Jesus caused, came to cause us to, to transfer from spiritual darkness, spiritual death to spiritual life. That's why Jesus came. Because the problem with humankind, the problem with us is not that we do bad things or we do sins. The problem with us is that we're sinners until we come to Christ. You see, in, in the book of Romans, the word sin appears 48 times in the book of Romans. Martin Luther said that the book of Romans is the, the purest expression of the true gospel. From start to finish. If you read the book of Romans, you'll get a clear picture of the true gospel. And Martin Luther said that's the clearest expression of the true gospel. But the, the word sin appears 48 times. 46 out of the 48 times, sin is a noun, not a verb. When we think of sin, we always think of it as being a verb. Some verb is an action word, something I do, something I commit. But sin is not something that you commit. Now, you do commit sin. I mean... Hopefully you didn't sin today yet. Maybe you sinned in this sermon when I was, you got angry. And, but in other words, we sin because of, of the, our condition of sin that we're in until we come to Christ. That's why I don't like the expression, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Because I was a sinner. I was a sinner. That was my tag. That was who I was. I was a sinner, but I got saved by grace. I'm no longer a sinner. What are you now, Steve? I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. My new spirit, my nature's changed. I got a new nature. When I sin now, it is contrary to my nature to do it. That's why I don't feel right about it. Like last week, I talked about lying. Everybody was depressed after I got done. <laughs> but why, why lying's wrong is because it's contrary to my nature. Sin now is contrary to my nature. It's unnatural for me to sin. When I do sin, I go, boy, I didn't feel right about that. There's something wrong about that. That's God writing his laws in my heart. Because my nature has changed. See, let me just try to give you a little bit of, are you guys with me still? So the idea there is that we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. 
Now, even after you get saved and you get a new nature, you're still capable of sin because you still deal with the flesh. You still with, deal with the, the flesh. You know, there's, it's interesting. I was reading through John this, this last week, and there's two stories that are really interesting. One is in John chapter 3. And most of us have read this, this story, but let's, let's go there real quickly. John chapter 3 it talks about a man by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. He was a ruler of the Jews, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs that you are doing unless God was with him. Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I say unto you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Everybody say born again. See, a lot of times we don't understand what that expression means, being born again. But you've got to understand who, who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus is not just a Joe church guy. The only religion at this time that's, that really is uh, recognized by God is the Jewish religion. They're God's covenant people. They are the in group. They're the ones that have a covenant with God. They're the in crowd. And, and so of that nation, there was a a religious group, a religious sect of that nation, which is called the Pharisees, they were the most devout of all the different sects of the Jewish religion. They were holy, buddy. They were really holy. They fasted twice a week. They prayed twice a day. They went to all the ceremonies. They did everything. Every external thing you could think about, the Pharisees did it. And the thing that they were most proud of was the fact that they were descendants from Abraham. We're Abraham's descendants. We are born in the same lineage as Abraham, who had the promise, was promised to be, uh, the blessing was to come through him. And so they were proud of that fact. And so he comes to Jesus by night, and, and he is one of the rulers. He's a ruler of the Jewish council. He's a ruler. And so if there's anybody with external qualifications that would qualify him to be acceptable for, before God, it would be Nicodemus. I mean, he is, he is one of the highest hogs in the trough. Using the pig analogy again. I mean, when he drove up, the finest donkey in the land was parked out front. Do you get what I'm saying? And so if anybody was acceptable based on what he did, it would be Nicodemus. But you know what Jesus said to you? Jesus said, you've had a natural birth and you're in the lineage of Abraham and you're one of God's chosen people. But here, what's happening, the, the day that I'm bringing to the earth right now, unless you experience a new birth, a spiritual birth, you will not enter or see the kingdom of God. He's saying that something has to happen because when we went astray, in Genesis, it says that, you know, God told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of the tree, you're going to die. Well, Adam lived to be 900 and I think it's 70 years, something like that. He lived, he lived a long time, 970 years. And so he didn't die the day that he ate. But he did die in one sense. He, he was separated from God. Spiritually, he was cut off. Spiritually, he was separated from God. And so when Jesus came, he wasn't coming to clean, I hate to use the word pigs, but he wasn't coming to clean the outward. He was coming to transform the inward. 
He was coming to put a new nature inside of his people. And he's telling Nicodemus, you've got all the external trappings of a perfect individual. But one thing that you don't have is you don't have a new heart. You don't have a new spirit. You don't have a, 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 a spiritual rebirth. He goes, you've got to be born again. He went to the heart of the issue. He went up. He went to the sin problem, not the external sins that we commit, but he went to the heart of the fact that a man is a sinner because of who he is, not what he does. You've got to be born again. He didn't say, you, he didn't say you know, we got the born again plan. We got the religious plan. We got the this plan. We got that plan. He goes, no, none of that's going to work anymore. You're going to have to be born again. And so it goes through a long story, and this, and this is where the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now what's interesting about this, so that's Nicodemus, that's one extreme. He's, he's like the most holy guy on planet earth. And Jesus said, you have to have a spiritual rebirth. Let me show you another passage. Turn over here to John 4. Now, now we go to the other extreme. So we have the most holy guy, now, just a few chapters, or one chapter later, Jesus encounters a woman at the well. And Jesus encounters this woman, and what's interesting, in contrast to Nicodemus, this woman at the well, is the, the, she's the antithesis. Is that how you say that word? She's the opposite of Nicodemus. Nicodemus has got, he's, he's well connected. I mean, he's like, Jew by birth. He's a leader in the Jewish religion. He has all these works to show for. He has everything. He's well connected. Now this woman is well unconnected. Because she'd been married five times. And she's living with a man. And not only that, she's, she's a Samaritan. She's an immoral woman. She's got nothing to, she's got nothing going for. She has no pedigree whatsoever to be proud of. She's what we would call a mongrel. Right? And Jesus comes to her and said, he, first of all, he, when he comes to her, he sits down at the well and he goes, he says to her, give me a drink. And she's like, surprise, why are you a Jew talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Because there was a lot of prejudice between Samaritans and Jews. And so he he, he says to her this in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God. Everybody say gift again. Yes. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So we got Nicodemus, who is the most holy guy on planet earth. He's saying, You've got to have a spiritual rebirth. In other words, something has to happen to you spiritually. And now you got the woman that's the opposite end. So we're covering the whole spectrum of the human race here in just two chapters. And he says to the woman, he says to the woman, the same thing. You need something in your life spiritually, just like Nicodemus does. But he looks at it differently because he's at a well. He said, you would ask him, he would give you living water. How many can see that? Look over at verse 14 of the same chapter. Jesus, Jesus says there again, but whoever drinks of this water, talking about the water in the well, or no, talking about the water that he's going to give, whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him 
shall become in him a fountain or a well of water springing up to everlasting life. So in other words, what he's saying is, again, something's going to happen. Something spiritual is going to happen inside of you. See, that's, that's the difference between religion and Christianity. Is Religion is just outward stuff. We do. It's outward performance. Christianity is inward, the well of water springing up to everlasting life, a new birth experience. It's something that happens on the inside of us. Does that make sense? Paul said, and so then how do we, how do we get, when a person comes to Christ, he becomes a new creature. Old things pass away and behold, all things come new. How does that come out of us? Because we want what's inside of us to come out of us, right? We don't want it to be, we don't want it to stay, we don't want it to stay there. We want to exhibit the characteristics of our new, our new nature. So how do we get that out of us? Well, first of all, you've got to recognize who you are. Because it is a principle of faith. You've got to recognize what salvation has done in you. What has salvation done in you? You know, the Bible says in Philemon, there's only one chapter, verse 6, it says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging or the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. See, there's good things. When you got saved, God put his spirit inside of you. God put a fountain or a well of water inside of you. Something good came into you when you got saved. Now, you might, you might be unaware of that, but it, it happened. And when you start recognizing it, it starts becoming effective. How many see what I'm saying? You see, it's like this. Okay, let me try to, some of you uh, maybe not totally follow me, but let me just say it to you like this, okay? I mean, you're still with me. Okay, so it's sort of like this. It's, it's a principle of faith. It's like when God came to Abraham, and this is, this is how the Bible, this is the example the Bible used. When God, came, when God came to Abraham, he didn't look at Abraham and say, man, you're a mess. You got no money, you got no job, you got no, that's a joke. But he said, you got no kids. 75 years old, you got no kids, probably won't have any. <laughs> it's the way things are looking. Not looking good. He didn't say that to him. You know what he said to him? Now listen to this. I have made you the father of many nations. Now just put yourself in Abraham's shoe. He comes, you've been trying for years, decades, to have a kid. You don't have nothing. Show for it. And God says, oh, let me just explain who you are. You're the father of many nations. I mean, if you're like, no, I'm not. W wouldn't you say that? I'm not the father. Who are you talking? You, you look behind you. You look behind you. You, you talking to me? You, you couldn't be talking to me. That's not who I am. That's not my performance. That's what I've been. I've made you the father of many nations. And so what happened was God calls things. This is what it says in Romans 4. God calls things that be not as though they are. So here's what happens. When you receive Christ into your life, when you receive Christ into your life, do you know that righteousness comes into you? It's called the gift of righteousness comes into you. And so then God calls you that. And when you believe that and accept that, what happens, that righteousness starts working its way out in your life. Because that's a principle of faith. That's why it's so important for you to accept God's identity for your life. Amen? Yeah. 
And so this is a principle of faith. That's why Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what God does is God, you know, and we sing that song, I am who you say I am. I can do what you say I can do. I might not feel like it. It may not seem like it's been that way, but I can do it because I trust what you, your work in my life, the work of grace. See, Paul said, in Christ Jesus, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, Paul said, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but a new creature. That's who you are. If you've received Christ, you're a new creature. If you're a new creature, if you've received Christ, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a new creature. Let's all stand together. And so, don't go home and throw your picture of Jesus out, please. That's not what I was trying to get at. What I'm trying to say is that there's something that God has done. You know, in this story, God has done in our spirits that God wants us to, first of all, he wants us to recognize. He wants us to recognize that he is, that we're righteous by the blood. We've been declared righteous. He wants us to recognize that if you've received Christ, you're righteous by the blood of Christ. And he wants us to recognize that, that we're new creatures. I'm a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm somebody different right now. I'm not the old guy that I used to be. He wants us to recognize that. And the more we recognize what he did inside of us, what he did in us, the more we recognize that, the, the greater what is on the outside shows up. And so I just want to encourage you with those words today is don't get sidetracked in all this other stuff. The true substance belongs to Christ. You know, everybody, you can play something. Um, we need some atmosphere here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start humming here in a minute here. Hum, 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 hum. But, um, you know, everybody, here's another thing that gets me. is Everybody's trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. How many know that's true? I mean, I, I even heard not too long ago that Prince Charles was the Antichrist. Have you heard that one? Everybody's trying to figure out. But just think about that word, antichrist. Anti means against or in place of. And if there's one thing religion does is it gets sidetracked and we start replacing Christ as the center. Because when you look up in heaven, when you get to heaven, in Revelation, it, it, it pictures the throne of God. It pictures this huge throne of God and around the throne, and you know who is in the center of the throne? It says the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus as the center. We sing that song, Jesus, you're the center of it all. And, and he has to be, I mean, he has to be the center of everything. You know, the Bible says that we, we're to run our race, we're to run our race looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Focus, our focus, our gaze is upon Jesus, who is the author and finisher of faith.
And so don't let anything knock you off from that focus and, and wanting him to be the center of our lives. It's a really big deal that God became a man. That's a really big deal. And that happened in the person of Jesus. God became a man. And what he brought to the earth is very significant. Don't miss it. Amen. Let's sing this song together, then we'll close. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Oh, amen. bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Beside you, all around you, and within you, he's with you, he's with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He's for you, he's for you, he's for you, he's for you. He's for you, he's for you, he's for you, he's for you, yeah.
and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning and evening and you're calling and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 lift our hands one more time. Thank God that God is for you. Hallelujah. If God is for you, who can be against you? I saw something. I saw the Almighty God spread His wings over this nation. And I saw Him singing the songs of freedom in the streets. And I heard him singing the songs of liberty till every song that was sung in this nation was lifting up the name of the Almighty God. Yes, let it come, Lord. Let it come. Let us sing the songs of freedom. Let us sing the songs of liberty. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Yes, let the blessing fall. Let it fall. Jesus.
Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Let's just one more time lift our hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I just feel like there's an urgency. I just feel like the Spirit of God is saying there's an urgency to capture a moment. There's an urgency in this nation to capture a moment. That something has opened up in this nation. Something has opened up. A door, some kind of a door has opened up. And there's an urgency at this time right now to press in, to seize the moment, to seize the time. This is an opportunity. Heaven has granted us an opportunity, to, an urgency to seize the moment and to press in and take hold of that which God has for our nation. Hallelujah. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our voice is significant. Our voice matters before the throne of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God. So, Lord, right now we just speak over our nation. Hallelujah. We just speak over our nation, God. Hallelujah. We speak peace over this nation. We speak peace over this nation. Hallelujah. We speak righteousness over this nation. Hallelujah. We declare it shall live up to its divine calling, Lord. It shall be a city on a hill. Hallelujah. It shall fulfill its calling, Lord. It'll be a bright, shining city on a hill, God. The joy of the earth, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you for the great privilege we have to live in this nation. Let us be grateful for it, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you for our leaders, Lord. Give them wisdom. They need it. They need wisdom, Lord. Pray over this nation, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that was powerful. I want the, usher, or the prayer counselors to please come forward. And I'm going to close the service. Please don't forget our services this weekend, uh, Saturday morning through Sunday. You'll be blessed. You really will. But if you have a prayer request right now, you need a prayer need in your life, please come forward as soon as I dismiss and uh, uh, be prayed for. Would you do that? Uh, we have some fellowship. So just open, you, open that up to you. Have some fellowship. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. Enjoy the presence of God.